Uh, hi everybody good morning i'm going to be discussing canadian legal government and court systems so i'm going to be discussing the first thing is constitutionalism and the rule of law as the supreme court of canada noted in reference re succession of quebec in arkham's constitutional tradition legality and legit legit legitimacy are linked So in our constitutional tradition, uh, so it has to be legal and it has to be legit, legitimate, and these two are linked. And what does it mean to be legitimate? Legitimate, legitimate. It means that all exercises of public power must be authorized by and comply with the law, right? So, so anytime a public power is 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 exercised it has to be authorized and comply with the law it can't be against the law and this principle or this concept is known as the rule of the law so what does the rule of the law mean so the rule of law means that the law is supreme over the acts of both government and private persons so um the law is supreme right so it's like the big boss <laughs> um both over government and private persons right so people in canada luckily they can they can have this assurance that they can go about their affairs their daily activities their daily lives keeping in mind that their actions as well as the actions of their neighbors and their governments are subject to known legal rules, right? So they can have this like assurance or this like, okay, so everybody's like subject to uh, legal laws, whether it's myself, my, my own actions or the actions of my neighbors and the actions of the government. So there's this like accountability in that sense. And this is, you know, it's like, everyone is like in this scenario is subject to known legal rules right so what does the rule of law protect it protects individuals from an unreasonable state action right so the law exists to protect individuals uh fortunately because if there was no law in this scenario then in you know um the state state action can take you know reasonable uh, do reasonable things to individuals or take reasonable actions against individuals. So thankfully, the the law or the legal rules exist to prevent that. So what happens if an individual, let's say Jessica, believes that the state has acted unlawfully, then Jessica may seek a remedy from in, an independent court to ensure that the state's complying with the law, right? So Jessica can then go to court you know, uh, and, you know, say that, you know, the state acted unlawfully and then she can seek a remedy, you know, to, to right the wrong that was against her to an independent court and to ensure that the state is actually following the laws or complying with the law. We have to keep in mind that this constitution of Canada is the supreme law of Canada and any law or government action that is inconsistent with the constitution is to the extent of the inconsistency of no force or effect. 
I think I already discussed this in the charter, but we have to keep in mind that the Constitution of Canada is the supreme law of Canada, and any law that is made or any government action that is not matching with the Constitution um, is of no force or effect, so it has to be consistent with the Constitution, right? All laws in Canada are made under the authority of the Constitution and must be consistent with the Constitution, right? So every time a law is made, they have to keep in mind that we have to keep in mind that it's made under the authority of the Constitution. And not only that, it has to be consistent with the Constitution, right? So what happens if a law is inconsistent with the Constitution, then a court will declare that the law is invalid. This is sometimes referred to as striking down of the law, right? So let's say there's a scenario and uh, a law is found to be inconsistent with the Constitution, then a court can declare that the law is invalid, meaning that, you know, this is not valid, meaning that it can be, this is like referred to as striking down of the law. The Canadian constitution is made up of both written and unwritten components. So the written, uh, the written part is it's formal, and so it's formal. Written part is contained in a number of constitutional enactments that most, the most important of which are the Constitution Act eighteen sixty seven and the Constitution Act nineteen eighty two. You know, this is the written part, the formal written part, and the latter, which includes the charter, right? The Constitution of Canada also includes unwritten principles, so it's not just written, there's also un the unwritten principles and conventions that are not spelled out anywhere in the text of the written provisions of the Constitution, right? So there are unwritten principles and they are not written anywhere in the Constitution. So uh, these uh, written, these unwritten constitutional principles or conventions may be very important to the workings of the Canadian government, even though they are not found in the written text. An example is that uh, the written text of the constitutions says nothing about the powers or duties of the Prime Minister of Canada or how it, or how he or she is selected, but this is discussed in parliamentary de democracy. So next I'm going to discuss federalism. So we have to keep in mind that Canada is a federal state uh, in which political power is divided uh, between the federal and provincial orders of the government. So here in Canada, it's a federal state and political power is divided between federal and provincial orders of government. And each order of the government has authority with its own respective area of jurisdiction, right? Uh, the Canadian Constitution divides the power to make laws between the federal parliament and the provincial legislators by, in effect, setting out two lists, right? 
So the Canadian Constitution is the guide that's dividing the power to make laws between the federal parliament and the provincial legislatures by in effect setting out two lists, subject matters about which parliament has authority to enact laws and subject matters about which provincial legislators have authority to enact, enact laws. So there are two things, right? Matters can fall between does the parliament have authority to, en to enact laws or does the provincial provincial legislators have authority to enact laws. When taken together, the two lists are intended to be exhaustive. As a general rule, all subject matters that can be legislated upon will fall within either federal or provincial power, right? So that's a general rule, like all matters that can be legislated upon will fall either within the federal or provincial power or sometimes it will be shared by both levels of government. So I just want to look at the meaning of subordinates. What's another word for subordinate? Hang on. So Canadian provinces are not inferior are not subordinates, which is like inferior is another word or secondary or delegates of the federal government, right? So like the Canadian provinces, for example, let's say there's uh the province of Ontario, it doesn't mean that they're inferior or they are or they're not like it doesn't mean that they're delegates of the federal government but rather they are independent and autonomous entities so the governments of the province are independent of each other and of the federal government the other the government of canada right so the government let's say of ontario for example is independent of the federal government so they're independent of each other so the government of ontario is independent of the government of Quebec, for example, and there are then both independent of uh, of the federal government, which is the government of Canada. One result is this independence. Uh, one result of this independence is that the political party governing a province is 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 frequently different than the political party governing Canada as a whole. Right, so we have to keep in mind that. Because of this independence, the political party, let's say governing Ontario, is different. Is like, for example, different than the political party governing Canada as a whole. Another result of this independence is that laws concerning matters within provincial jurisdictions, such as property law, highway traffic law, education law, or family law, may be substantially different from province to province. Right? For example. You know, like laws uh, regarding highway traffic or education or family law could be different than the laws in Quebec, for example, because it's different from province to province or even Alberta. So what does federalism allow? Federalism thereby allows Canada to recognize and accommodate within one country a diversity of regions and societies. So, because Canada is very diverse, federalism allows Canada to recognize and accommodate within one country, like, a diversity of regions and societies.
So next we are going to discuss uh, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Oh, what is this? Where's my... Yeah, so the Charter is found in the Constitution Act 1982, a part of the written Constitution of Canada. It is a catalog of fundamental rights and freedoms that are guaranteed, subject only to such reasonable limits prescribed by law and can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society, right? So the charter, so if somebody asks you where can we find the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, then you can say, you can tell them that it's found in the Constitution Act 1982. And as the charter is part of the written constitution of Canada, it is a catalog of fundamental rights and freedoms that are guaranteed subjects. So even though the rights are there and they're guaranteed to protect people, we have to keep in mind that it's only subject to such reasonable limits prescribed by law and can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. So what are these rights and freedoms? The fundamental civil liberties such as freedom of religion and freedom of expression, the right of citizens to vote in federal and provincial elections, freedom from fundamentally unjust deprivations of life, liberty, or security of the person, freedom from unreasonable searches and seizures, legal rights applicable to persons charged with an offense such as the presumption of innocence, Freedom from discrimination because of personal characteristics such as sex, race, or disability, and minority language education rights. So where does the charter apply? It applies to Parliament and the Government of Canada and to legislators and governments of each province as well as to all matters within the authority of these bodies. This means that the Charter applies not only statutes enacted by Parliament and by the provincial legislators, but also to subordinate legislation such as regulation rules or bylaws made by public bodies such as boards, commissions, or agencies. It also applies to the actions of governments and the police. Since its enactment in 1982, the Charter has had a transformative effect on Canadian law of, and government. So before this, before the char charter was enacted, as uh, so long as parliament or a provincial legislator was acting within the jurisdiction assigned to it by the constitution, it could validly enact laws that deprived person of their civil liberties or that assigned benefits unequally on the basis of sex or disability. So uh, before the charter, the parliament or the provincial legislator, as long as they were acting within their jurisdiction and they were not going outside of it, uh, as in jurisdiction and signed to it by the constitution, it could like just make laws and, you know, uh, depriving persons of their freedoms. And that was okay, right, before the charter. Provided that such laws were ambiguous and complied with the, with the legislative division of powers, Courts had no choice but to apply them. So unfortunately, if the laws were un, un, were ambiguous, like unclear, 
And if they, let's say, complied with the legislative division of powers, then unfortunately the courts had no choice but to apply them. But luckily, with the enactment of the Charter, the power of Parliament and the provinces to enact legislation impacting individual and minority rights has been substantially limited, right? So laws limited individual rights are only permissible if the government can justify the limitation as a reasonable and demonstrably justified limit, right? So let's say that they decide to make a law that limits individual rights. It's only allowed if the government can justify that, hey, you know, this is reasonable and justifiable, right? Or if the, en or if the enacting legislator uses the override provision of Section 33 of the Charter, sometimes referred to as the Nonwithstanding Clause, right? If a court is satisfied that a law is an unjustifiable infringement of a charter right, then the court can refuse to apply the law or declare that the law is invalid, right? So let's say that they make a law and is infringing people's rights or freedoms and they, they, the government can't justify this law. And the court is satisfied that this law is unjustifiable infringement of a charter right. Then the court can refuse to apply the law. They could be like, yo, we're not applying this law because this law is invalid or declare that this law is invalid. Courts also have other powers such as remedial powers under the charter. For example, you know, they can exclude evidence from a criminal tri trial that was obtained in violation of the charter, right? So for example, if there is a criminal proceeding and evidence was obtained then the court had the of evidence was was obtained from a uh, during a criminal trial that violates the charter rights then the courts have the powers to exclude this evidence from the trial the court also has the power to order government actors to take steps to comply with the charter so the court can order like the government actors to be like, yo, you need to take steps to make sure that you're complying with the charter, right? By enhancing judicial review of legislation and by granting courts wide remedial powers against the state, the charter has substantially increased the role of courts in Canada's system of government. So like, you know, by increasing or enhancing judicial review of legislation right so because there's a judicial review of legislation and because the courts have powers um remedial powers against the state though the courts have uh like by granting courts remedial powers against the state then the charter has increased effect on the role of courts in canada's system of government so that's, that's it for this section.